0: through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Well, welcome back everyone to the Crescent Podcast. I know it has been a few weeks since a new episode has been put out, And I first wanted to say thank you to anyone who is tuning into this after such a long gap. That was not something I anticipated happening, but for various personal reasons as well as uh, political and social reasons, I felt it was necessary to take some space to wrap my head around what's going on in my own life, wrap my head around some of the current social issues before trying to add anything to that commentary or try to be a voice in that commentary at all so thank you to everyone again who is tuning into this who has come back after such a long gap i'm so excited today's episode is an amazing interview with actually a very close friend of mine brent corbett and him and i actually went through our entire full-time mba program together we were in the same cohort We had an amazing time going through that program together along with some of our other close friends we made and really got to know each other a bit more. But I'm so excited because in this interview, I actually get to learn a little bit more about Brent and his past. And he shares really how he got into the space he's in now, which is more motivational speaking. He has a book he's working on. And then he really shares his perspective on the current topic of... People of Color, Black Lives Matter, and we spend a solid 30 minutes or so talking about this topic. And I just have to preface this by saying I was really nervous to record an episode like this because I know it can be very polarizing. I know sometimes if something isn't said just the right, perfect way, it can be taken the wrong way. And so I want to be you know, fully vulnerable before the start of this and say... I am doing my absolute best to educate myself in regards to this topic, to be a positive voice of change in this topic in whatever way I can. And Brent really helps walk us through how can we, for those of us who want to start getting more involved and being more educated, how can we start that process for each of us? what can we do? And he really is a voice of encouragement for us saying that, look, it's not about saying the right perfect thing all the time. It's just about showing support in whatever way you can and you know how to. And for me, that really allowed me to just take a huge sigh of relief because I have just been feeling so much pressure and concerned around, okay, I want to say something, but I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, You know, I don't want to show how ignorant I truly am. And so He, again, kind of gives us permission and freedom to just speak and share and join the movement in whatever way feels right for us. Any kind of support helps a lot, but we really do kind of break down what's going on, how it comes from his perspective at growing up in America as a Black man. And I think it was just a very raw, vulnerable, expansive interview that for me was really helpful. It Felt very healing and encouraging to be able to have that conversation. And I really hope it is the same for all of you. So with that, please enjoy this interview with my good friend, Brent Corbett. Well, Brent Corbett, thank you so much for coming on the Crescent podcast. This is a exciting, unique one for me because for those of you who don't know, Brent and I actually completed a full-time MBA program together. But it's going to be really fun because there's a lot of your story that I actually don't know. And I'm a little ashamed to say that because we were in class twice a week, four hours each time for a year. So I probably should know more than I do. But anyways, thank you so much for coming on. This is going to be a super expansive talk.
1: Leanne, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. Thank you for having me on your on your podcast and your show. Um, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited to talk about my story and the topics that you want to discuss and Um, I think this is going to be a great one. So I hope people are excited as well.
0: (laughs) Yes, definitely. So walk us through. I always have everyone start off by giving their own bio intro because I think it just is so much more powerful coming from the person themselves. So take us back. Where are you from? What was your upbringing like? You know, How did you get to where you are today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So as you said, my name is Brent Corbett. Um, I'm from Pomona, California, uh, Southern California, raised, uh, hadn't really been outside of the country until recently. So um, this is home for me. Um, I grew up uh, with my with my parents. Uh, I have an older brother. My family is great, really just to into the culture. Um, I'm actually multi-race, so I think having the best of both worlds, um, being able to come from an Hispanic background and also a Black culture was just a blessing for me. Um, A blessing in disguise, because I know that there's so much going on right now, uh, which I know that we'll dabble into later. But my upbringing was was humble beginnings, to say the least. Uh, I really had to understand the value of hard work, perseverance, triumph. Um, my mom, she taught me the value of hard work and being able to persevere through some some hard times and challenges in my life. So growing up, I was really close to my brother. Uh, my brother was actually like a father figure to me. He showed me a lot of values. While my father is an amazing man, um, there were times where it was just my brother my mother and I and with that environment, it created some sort of stress, um, not always the easiest to to really go about life, acknowledging that, you know, you have to do these things with just each other and acknowledging that the surroundings around you aren't always going to be as forgiving as you expect them to be. So growing up, um, I enjoyed life. Um, I was a kid who always laughed and just enjoyed being, I feel like who I am today, it's just kind of goofy, you know, just, just someone who um, can appreciate the value of life within itself. So, uh, those things I can, I take with me and I cherish, um, I thank my mom continuously just to see that, you know, she came from Mexico city. She came to the United States when she was 18 and she really had to go through the mud, so to speak, to really get to where she's at now. Um, and I see her today and even talking about her simply just brings me the sense of happiness just because I've seen how far she came. Um, despite, you know, the ugly times that we did share. Um, But, you know, overall, I grew up in uh, a great family, a great environment, learned some really good values that I hope to pass on to the next generation. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much the simple of of the beginnings.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. And so, you know, a big, uh, you know, the first half of this is really going to be talking about you and how you're getting so much more into the motivational speaking realm and a big big part of that for you is just sharing your story and you know there were some maybe rough patches that you had to get through that got yeah, absolutely. you to where you are today and what i'm really interested in hearing about is and you don't have to get super specific but what were some of the the hardest things you had to go through and then what were some of the biggest wake up calls or positive influence or things that really shook you off that negative path and got you to where you are today
1: so I believe a part of my character and my personality was really just being so immersed into friendships, right? You know, wanting to really um, be in, in involved with everybody. And I was so friendly. And so I I felt like that led me into, as my young adulthood growing up, I made some poor decisions, you know, really just running with the wrong crowd, so to speak. Um, I had a lot of good friends, but not always doing the best activities, um, you know, which landed me into some trouble. Um, I had been in trouble, um, which is not my most proud moments, but I think those are the exact moments that molded me into the man that I am right now. And I never take those moments for granted. Um, there's nothing in particular that I would say that really pushed me into where I am right now, except for the moments of being able to kind of grab everything that I've learned as a child, along with the mistakes and being able to kind of put into this melting pot and show how I could grow from that. Um, Wanting to be a certain person that I always knew I had the potential to be, but not necessarily meeting that potential based off of making excuses, based off of letting my environment dictate who I was. Um, And then when I got to a certain point in my life, I really started to get into a position where I started to to be more spiritual, more religious. I, I felt God played a, a huge role in my life in regards to the visions that I started to create, wanting to to motivate myself and become better. And as I became more immersed into that, I feel like that was a transition for me to be able to grow and create a vision to what I consider today is what's your royalty. Um, this whole topic of what's your royalty really kind of stems from this certain generation where I believe that. We are so involved in our environment, our community, thinking that we have to live a certain way based off of what is on our popular feed and our social medias, and I feel like we create a sense of depression, a sense of not understanding an identity, and because of that, a lot of people are confused. I believe so. When I when I when I coined this phrase, "What's Your Royalty," I really stemmed from this this topic of being able to not only associate yourself with what you're doing now but creating a vision not based on what others want you to be but rather so what you want to be you know walking in when i say this term walking in your royalty it really just means walking in your identity walking in the faith that you have to create a vision for yourself you know not not necessarily caring what other people say not to the not to the extent that you don't take constructive criticism but rather not allowing them to dictate The paint, you know, the painted picture that you envision, the book that you're writing, you're the author of your own book, not others, you know. So, the way that I believe is that despite what you have gone through, despite, you know, the pains, the fears, the doubts that we often kind of inherit, I feel like it's super important to be able to acknowledge your self worth. And that's why I kind of coined that phrase, what's your royalty? Mm
0: -hmm. So. Yeah. And there's a couple layers to actually being able to do that, right? Which is what I'm curious to about your story is, you know, a part of that layer, a part of being able to live out your, I always say your authentic self. And I think it's sort of the similar, the similar thing that you're talking about is number one, you know, who is the world telling me I should be? We have to acknowledge that and recognize that. Number two, who do I actually want to be? If I strip away all the expectations, all of the social norms, what is my core, my soul, my spirit crying out for? And then number two, how do I go about actually implementing that? And a big part of that is something that you touched on just a second ago saying, you know, I had to disentangle myself with certain people in my life to get out of a certain crowd. And I think that's a huge, huge piece for a lot of people is how do we go about maybe maybe not cutting off, but distancing from toxic people or harmful people. And I'm curious, was that a really hard process for you?
1: It was because um, I wouldn't necessarily say that the people that I were around was so toxic. It was just the motive, the intent of what is it that we want to do in that particular moment with our lives. Um, I feel like I've come across a lot of great people, you know, not to discredit who they are, but rather so us not being in the same space, there was a lot of positioning that I needed to recreate for myself. And I acknowledge that doing certain activities, you know, not having the drive or the motive or having this tangible movement of being able to move forward and have those people not only just pushing to that direction, but have the same mentality. Um, that was, was That's what was toxic for myself. I believe that, um, I, once again, I let my environment dictate who I was you know, I, I'm very social, very goofy, wanting to to just really have a good time. But in the midst of this, I understood that there's repercussions too, when you don't really walk in your faith, when you, when, when you sort of speak, have this blind vision, you know, when you're really just allowing others to pull you in a direction where you're not even supposed to be walking down. And so I felt at a younger age, um, I started to learn these lessons. So I know when I was 21, I went through some stuff. A couple years later, I went through some more stuff that really molded me to who I am today. Um, it's been years since I've been really recreating my myself, um, really kind of closing my circle and acknowledging that it's okay to do so. You can still be good to people, but protecting your space, protecting your mental health, protecting your physical health, also protecting your spiritual health is extremely important. And because of that, I've been able to elevate in mm. numerous amount of ways. Um, education wise, you know, my my cohort right here, MBA Man. program, um, getting a master's degree was uh, a phenomenal milestone in my life, uh, along with the lines of being employed with UCLA, working in psychiatry. Um, that's been a huge, huge upbringing in my life, milestone, met, met great people. And the opportunity has just been a blessing. But without me going through my trials and tribulations, learning my lessons and really applying how to be effective in my life, I wouldn't have been to where I am at today. You know, I'm still growing. I'm still trying to be uh, a better man, still trying to create a larger vision. But without those stepping stones, which I don't disregard by any means, which I don't take for granted, um, even though that they were painful, even though that they were hard to come across. I felt like they created who I am today. And for me to to tell a success story based off of the pains that I had, it's just a recreation and a reiteration for others to acknowledge that what you go through is really significant to your story. So we need to stop putting this, this mask over our face to hide behind what we want society for us to be. And we need to start illustrating who we are, despite of the ugly, despite of the positive, really just come together and acknowledge that everybody has gone through things. And with that, we can continue to acknowledge that your story is as beautiful as mine, regardless of what you've been
0: through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love how you say you just, you made that circle around you of people smaller and smaller, and you really focused on your environment, your health, your mental health, because It's all of those things. We kind of live in a world where we're taught to do a lot of things out of obligation and say yes to this, say yes to that, go to this, even though I'm completely burnt out and running on zero. I have to do this. I have to do that. And I've really come, I've spent the last year, year and a half really focusing on what do I need on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis to keep my battery as fully charged as possible so that any encounter I'm in, any situation I'm in, I can show up as my hundred percent self. And so that for me has played out into creating a lot of boundaries. And a huge part of that is having the self-worth and the determination and the love for myself to even do that rather than looking at the people around me and saying, Oh, I wish you'd just treat me better. Oh, I wish you would respect my time more, I need to be the one setting those boundaries. And then the people in my life can either choose to respect those or choose not to. And the ones who choose not to will unfortunately have a lesser part in my life because of it.
1: Absolutely. Um, just to touch on to that, uh, I tr- that was exactly how I felt in regards to being able to close your circle, because those who are meant to be in your life will be. And it's not to disregard those who aren't there's a lot of people that will come into your life in and out but there's a lot of people who don't have the best benefit don't have the best affirmation for you who won't create the sense of space that you need to be in because a lot of people carry toxic traits and it's not because that they're trying to do it on purpose but it's because that's maybe what they've taught past relationships friendships whatever life has kind of thrown their way they carry it on to other people So that's why I tell others it's extremely important to be able to protect your space, not necessarily being rude or not necessarily trying to push others away because networking is so important. Doing life with people is so important. But also protecting your personal space is extremely, extremely important in creating a vision that you want to live. And I always tell people time is the most essential thing that you can ever offer anybody. Um, anything that I give you that's tangible, physical, you could technically take that back. You know, anything that I give you, you could recreate, you can grab back. But the time that I give you, there, there's no way that you could ever get that back. So I say that that's the most important asset that anybody can uh, give somebody else.
0: Oh, wow. I love that. That's so powerful. I'm going to make that a quote. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's not to say, I don't think either of us are over here saying, you know, look, if you if you don't add value to my life or you're struggling with your own issues, you just can't be a part of my life. Not at all. The way I look at it is very much, I have my own shit I'm bringing to the table. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have my own stuff I'm bringing to the table that I need to work through. You do, you do. Every single person on this planet does. What's important to me is that the people in my life are all actively trying to better themselves in one way or another. And because what I think what happens with so many of us is we have those people in our lives who they're sort of the constant complainer. They're always saying something negative and you'll maybe give them your two cents. You say, Hey, maybe try this, but nothing ever changes. They're just looking to vent. They're not actually looking to create change. And those are the people who, in my opinion, and for me personally, I don't create a lot of space and time for, because you're asking me to give you my time give you my input with absolutely no intent of using it for anything other than to use me as a sounding board. And I don't think that's a positive use of my time for either party in that case.
1: Absolutely. Definitely agree. Like you said before, you really touched on it. It's not about not allowing people into your life who need help. You know, We're here to help others in the midst of them helping us. We learn from each other. Um, Essentially, that's what doing life is about. But once again, if they're not bringing a sense of value and that value doesn't have to be matched with yours, it just has to be on the same page where we think alike, at least we're motivated to to do something with ourselves. Um, Those are essentially what I look for, at least in friendships or meeting new people. It's never, never along the lines of, you know, you have this, I don't want it. That's, that's, that's never the motive. Uh, For me, I love doing life with people. I love interacting with others and creating a vision with people. I think that's not only one of the more spiritual, but one of the more human like characteristics that we need to embody is being able to do life with each other and not be afraid to do life with one another. So, Mm -hmm. definitely agree.
0: Yeah. And where, so tell us where you are wanting to take this, take your message. How are you hoping to share that with the world? What are you wanting that to turn into?
1: So I've had this this topic of conversation with multiple people. Um, it's been exciting the last few months when I really tried to, to create this vision and make it so real. I feel like it was like a baby, right? You 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 have you give birth to this baby and then you nourish it and it grows. And suddenly I start to see this growth of people really giving me this positive affirmation to, to continue to speak um, motivation to people's lives and continue to express who I am as an individual has been an amazing journey in such a short amount of time. But in regard to what I wanted to see it become, um, I put that in God's hands, essentially. I felt like the one thing I used to do often was worry. You know, I created a, I, I create something that I want to happen. I envision it. I want it to come to fruition. Yet, I don't acknowledge that some things just don't happen that way. So if that didn't come to fruition, if certain things weren't meant to happen, then the one thing I realized was maybe that's because it wasn't in God's plan as well. And I know everybody has different spiritualities, which I'm very sensitive to. I, I approach everybody with the same light and love. But the one thing that I realized for myself was that God played a huge part of my life and being able to trust him in regards to what is it that I do education wise, uh, career wise, for my aspirations, the way that I think he kind of helped mold me into the person that I am today in my belief. So uh, in regards to where I want this vision to go, wherever God takes me along with how much happiness it brings me, if that means I touch one person or if I touch a million lives, uh, I'm going to be happy in the midst of doing anything that, that comes along with motivating others.
0: Hmm. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but you are working on a book. Yes. Right?
1: So, yeah. So, um, it's been interesting. I, I've been going back and forth tug of war with wanting to create a book, um, called what's your royalty, um, book, uh, in regards to me wanting to release it, I would say probably in the, in the next year, year and a half, what I'm doing right now on Instagram is I'm creating short snippets of each chapter, Um, Each chapter creating one word that solidifies that one chapter and going over my personal experience, along with quotes, biblical quotes, uh, motivational quotes, and just stories that align with how to identify with that specific chapter. So, for example, chapter one I already put on Instagram was titled Identity. the next chapter purpose, such and so forth for about 10 chapters. Um, it's in the works right now, creating a, a, a vision for it and just trying to let us see if it manifests into what I, what I believe it can be.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm so excited for that. That's going to be <laughs> super neat. And I know it's going to be so just raw and vulnerable and really, really impactful for a lot of people.
1: Absolutely. That's the goal. The one thing I had to learn was transparency and vulnerability will lead you to a place of succession. Um And it doesn't have to be success money-wise, really just a place of happiness and being in a place of growth. When I learned how to be vulnerable with myself, when I learned how to be transparent with others, um, I really became the person who I'm stepping into right now. So, mm.
0: Oh, I love that. So on that note, we will shift into a very vulnerable topic and one that admittedly, and I told you this even before the interview, I'm hesitant, I'm nervous to dive into because truthfully, I'm coming from a place where in regards to racism, Black Lives Matter, people of color, it's not a narrative that I have actively taken a part in, which is something that I'm working to change and this podcast is a part of that and so with that said I was very nervous coming into this of I don't want to say the wrong thing I want to be helpful I want to be impactful but I don't really know how and so I want to turn to people like you to really help tell me how I can help tell me how I can research on my own because I I don't want it to sound like Oh, well, you need to tell me what to do. No, but I know that there's a lot been going on where, uh, you know, white people try to get involved and do something, and it actually ends up being much more harmful than positive. And so I'm hoping this conversation can be one that really sheds light on some things that maybe are a little misunderstood for the population in general. And then also just makes people feel more comfortable that if they are looking to join in this narrative, how they can do that in a way that is really going to make an impact. So I don't know, where do we even begin? You might need to guide me a little bit on this. Where do we begin? What has your experience been with this? What has the last few weeks been like for you?
1: So as uh, you know, we've all been going through what's happening in our environment today. Um, and what's been happening, quite frankly, for the last 400 years plus um, as a as a black man walking in in my community, I really had a hard time with more social media, if anything else. Um, we as people naturally, I, I wouldn't even say purposely, but naturally do certain things to to protect ourselves. Right. So we put on these lenses. We. We we walk around and we do things to shun out what is really happening in our environment. And we do this because it's a very protective mechanism. It, it It's just a reoccurrence of what's happening over and over and over. And I can even be at fault for this because the last few years of my life, stepping into a place of enlightenment, I would say, stepping into a place of growth, I haven't even even touched upon this subject as much as I feel like I should have. But In the last couple weeks, I would say that this this topic has been very sensitive. It's been um, hard to it's been it's a it's a hard pill to swallow, so to speak, because you start to see the true violence. I for me, I don't want to disregard. Media, right, the news, the things that we see, I don't want to disregard their hard work and the the way that they want to paint certain pictures. But at the end of the day, I feel like what social media has done was showed you a first person's view. And showed you how it really looks when people are walking around and giving you real details. And I feel like the media has done a very poor job of illustrating this whole Black Lives Matters uh, movement because they're not depicting the true violence that's really been happening. Um, the the It's it's sorrowful to even talk about, but it's 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 a subject that I feel like a lot of us need to be immersed into. You know this this whole. Black Lives Matter, let's put attention in a, in a microscope on Black people, is extremely important in this very moment because they're the ones who are in danger. They're the ones who are being oppressed right now. But what happens is because you get a lot of people who, unfortunately, in this country in specific, are very individualistic. We're not very collectivistic in this country. So you get a lot of people who say, but what about me, right? Right. And it could be from a magnitude of different cultures, backgrounds, and ethnicities. But I feel like once we shine light on the specific demographic of people, right, Black people, and we really show the level of oppression that's happened over decades of time, and then we highlight a, an extension of other people being oppressed, it brings awareness to other to other countries, other people. And what I've seen on my social media is the good that I, you know, for example, the famine in Yemen, you know, the, wow. the, I, I had, for me personally, I would have never even known about that, that country in specific. Right. I would have even known about the, the terror that they go through, but bringing light to this level of oppression now brings light onto a lot of other people who need this level of, of rea- reassurance, who needs this level of awareness.
0: Wow. So
1: for me personally, um, I believe that the Black Lives Matter. Uh, I believe that the Black Lives Matter movement has been such a, a positive one in regards to the awareness. Now, people want to bring up the rioting, the looting, the 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 violence behind it. Well, uh, me personally, I'm not for violence you know violence is going to is going to overshadow more violence i'm not for that in a personal matter but rather so i feel like you have to bring a sense of awareness that creates change and i'm not saying we need to resort to burning down our cities and doing x y and z because that's not that's not going to be the answer but rather so educating one another i feel like systematically the i feel like systematically our government has oppressed people in more ways than violence.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so what has happened over time is that we have created a system where we abolish slavery, right? Happy June Juneteenth by the way.
0: I know. Um, <laughs> oh my God how how perfect is this
1: right That's you know So you know happy Juneteenth by the way. So yeah. the abolishment of slavery, is was was done, and that was in a very astronomical way, you know, so to speak, where we can create movement, we can create tangible uh, tangible change. But what we do now is we take the violence away slowly, and now we we cripple communities by lack of education, lack of resources, creating an environment where a lot of people may disagree. But unfortunately, your majority, which is going to be African-Americans, Hispanics um, in this country, go through a sense of depression and not being able to resource themselves because of what society has painted them to be. You know, where where at the end of the day, the African-American community are loving people. Mm-hmm. I feel like people in general are loving people. But when you oppose oppression for so long and. You do these acts of violence more than just physical. We're talking about emotional, spiritual torment, so to speak. And when you put this on a people for so long and you expect them just to continue to live life this way, I, I can't ask in any other way, what do you expect people to do? Mm. You know, and we live, this is 2020, right? Right. We we would expect that that times have changed, that we as people could be we, we as people could do better, become better, and just enhance ourselves collective collectivistically and do things that will benefit the society as a whole. But we have too many selfish endeavored people. We have a lot of people who are privileged and once again the whole Black Lives Matter. You get people who are offended by that phrase, right? They're, they're extremely offended and it baffles me because, once again, I know we've talked about this before, but it was that whole analogy of, of one house on the block is on fire and the rest of the houses aren't. And you have a fire truck that only comes to rescue to the, comes to the rescue of that one house. Why would all the other houses be offended? Why would all the other people in those homes be offended? That's the exact same point to why I don't understand why people get offended to this whole phrase, Black Lives Matter. I could see if we said only Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. then I can understand that. But at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is create a sense of awareness to Mm -hmm. to let others know that our lives are just as important as the next. And I feel what happens with people who are privileged, they are more fearful of change because they have more to lose. And even though it's not spoken, it will never be spoken. It will never be one of those things where you're going to, well, I'm gonna say most of the time, you won't hear most people say, you know, this is my privilege and I don't want to be stripped away because it's, it, it sounds selfish, but at the end of the day, if you've been taught since you were younger, if you've been taught since your youth to live a certain way and that the law is shaped to benefit you and jobs are going to benefit you and society will look at you in a different limelight and then all of a sudden you grow older and now people are saying well no let's make it equal subconsciously you don't want that because you're taking away what is essential to you what is your sense of power and that that to me creates a sense of fear
0: yeah. And there's so many pieces here that I want to make sure we touch on because even just for me, how much I have been trying to learn and pay attention to, there's a couple things that I feel are really important to squeeze into this coming from the white perspective, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, trying to understand your perspective. And so for me, like, for example, the the burning house on fire, that was an analogy that really resonated with me, right? No one is saying All lives don't matter. No one is saying that. What we're saying is, you know, to relate it back to that house analogy, the Black community, their house is on fire right now. And we need to focus on putting out that fire, actually putting out that fire, not just reducing it halfway or getting it down to embers. We want that fire done and put out. And unfortunately, I think we're, we live in a very black and white world where. If you agree with one thing, you almost automatically have to disagree or hate something else. And that's something that I've been really trying to reiterate to people is, look, I can be completely on board with the Black Lives Matter movement, but that doesn't mean that I, th- I think police lives don't matter, or right. medical lives don't matter, or white lives don't matter. Not at all. But I can say... No, I just see that the Black house is on fire right now, and I really want to get involved in putting that fire out. My house is good. My house isn't burning. So I'm going to lend my resources to the house that is on fire. So that was one thing that I really wanted to touch on and reiterate. But then also what I'm seeing is there's so many topics within the topic, right? There's the Black Lives Matter movement, and then there's the sort of police brutality movement but what I have been seeing is like this is so much more than just a you know simply police and black lives matter I'm also learning about how there's a huge inequality in our medical system and the level of care that people of color receive when they're getting treatment in the medical system and so it's so much bigger than just one thing and it can be overwhelming at first when you dive into it and right now I feel like I'm just in a educational phase like i just need to wrap my head around all the areas in society where this inequality is playing out right you know, it's it's work it's the medical system it's the educational system it's our communities i mean it really is prevalent almost everywhere
1: and i like the fact that you say that you know even though you're coming from a different background you can really highlight the ideas of wanting to learn and be educated about the matter. And I feel like not only yourself, but even within my own culture, you know, Black Lives, I feel like even within us, we have to be educated about the matter because we can't fight oppression with aggression. We actually have to be educated about the matter, understand the root of where everything is happening and learn how to implement filtration within our government system. That's where it's really going to take effect, because at the end of the day, if we continue to burn down our own cities, if we continue to loot our own stores, we're depleting from our own resources. And that's not the purpose of this. We want to raise awareness to create a sense of, of, you know, to create a sense of progress for our people. Um, you know, once again... It, there's been so many levels of oppression that we could talk about, and I feel like this is a rabbit hole, and it's how deep do you want to dabble down, and it really can just stem from, from I, me personally, I feel like it really touches upon the judicial system. To be honest, the way that our law is written. It gives certain privileges that we as normal civilians would never dabble into. We we didn't really be so immersed into a book where we're discussing law, right? That's not the normal person's day-to-day agenda, so to speak. And so I feel like until we learn our, our rights and learn... You know, the the way that the law is written. And then how do we change that? How do we bring effect to our government officials? How do we become more involved in our communities outside of, you know, protest? How do we actually implement and infiltrate the government? I feel like that's when change is going to be more relevant.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. So, and I'm if I ask a question that's just totally ignorant, just call me out right away.
1: Oh, yeah, no, you're okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but um I'm curious, are there are there any things that you see in general when people are trying to get involved in this narrative mistakes that they're making, things that they're saying that are just hurting the cause? <sighs>
1: You know what? In regards to hurting the cause, I feel like we have shown more togetherness than I have seen before. So I wouldn't say that there has been this this sense of what what's hurting the cause, except for an increase in violent acts. I feel like once again, the looting, the rioting. I can understand the frustration, and I can understand the pain that comes along with this because I've walked in the same skin color as the next uh, black man, and I can. I can relate the sense of fear when you step outside your door, and they not acknowledging, you know, or acknowledging. Excuse me, if everything will be okay on just a simple day to work, or on a simple day to going to school, or meeting up with friends and social gatherings. So I understand that the, there's this level of pain and hurt, right? But I said I would say that the biggest mistake has been allowing media to show you this this side of rioting and looting as being the main factor of what's happening because there are so many peaceful protests. And I feel like the level of education and the, the ability to think as a free thinker is super important in this matter because I cannot glue my eyes to my television and expect the media to show me everything that's happening because at the end of the day, they have their own agenda as well. So what I need to do as, as my own man, as my own person, I have to become more educated about the matter. I have to understand deeply what is going on. I need to understand what is happening in the behind the scenes opposed to what's in the forefront, because what's in the forefront is a distraction to what's happening in the back. And once you become educated, once you become aware, and once you become solidified in your beliefs, as well as acknowledging, you know what, I i I know that, you know, what, there's a lot going on in the forefront, but I need to become, you know, submerged into what's truly happening. Then you become, I don't want to say awake, but you become, sort of speak, like, you know, you become awake, you become more aware, and you understand that there's so much more than this forefront oppression. There's mm-hmm. a lot of layers to this cake, right? And we have to be willing to go down deeper and deeper and deeper to the root of the cause. And I would say that if there was any mistakes to truly be made, it would be both focusing strictly on media and thinking that other races are our enemy. They are not. I would say this proudly. You know, I have a best friend who is white. I have friends of multi-different races. And there's beauty within people. We have to understand that it's, that, that my neighbor is not my enemy. Rather, so I have to look at my government, I have to look at the judicial system, I have to see how that's been written. And I have to take an approach to where how can I help this be fixed. And to not take it upon yourself to beat yourself up, because you feel like you're not doing enough. Every little thing you do is significant, whether that's signing you know, signing protest papers, or if that's you know trying to call, trying to you know voice your opinion by by stepping on your social media, or if that's walking in a protest, or if that's telling you know your parents of maybe a different generation that this isn't right, whatever you're doing, it does matter. Just allow it to 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 sit on your heart and speak what you feel. That's what I feel like is important.
0: Hmm. I love that, and it's I feel like it gives permission in a way because, as I said before before I even said anything or spoke out about any of this on social media with friends and family, I had so much fear of saying the wrong thing, of being polarizing, of being offensive, of being ignorant, that it kept me silent. And what you're saying and what I've heard reiterated across many different channels is, look, support is support. And it's not always going to be perfect. You might say the wrong thing. And it's not about saying the right, perfect thing, but it's about saying something, right? Because what really struck a chord with me is, look, if you don't say anything, but you say you support this cause internally, but it's never being vocalized, it's as good as not supporting it because your voice isn't being heard. Your voice isn't adding to that louder call that change is needed. So for me, that's what really inspired me to finally just say, look, I'm going to put this out there it's going to be raw. There's going to be mistakes, but I have to make it known to my community, my following, my family, my friends, this is where I stand on this point. And I may not be perfectly educated on it, but this is where I stand and this is where I'm going with it. Um, you know, take it or leave it kind of. So,
1: And that's important. You know, we need more people to advocate in that sense. Um, I, I saw this quote that stated that, not verbatim, but it, it was saying that in this particular matter, Black lives aren't going to be the only ones to make a true change. It's going to have to be actually the opposite race. It's going to have to be a collective a collective work because now we need to come together and truly show this unionship. You know, we can't continue to divide one, divide one another. At the end of the day, we are all meant to do life together. And this level of togetherness is super important to, to talk about. Um, once again, there's a lot of there's a lot of anger and animosity in the in a lot of different hearts, you know. And I can't I can't disregard that, nor can I say that that person is wrong for feeling that way. But at the end of the day, what I walk by, at my level of faith, what I've been taught is that you accept people. You know, you don't really look at color, but rather you look at the content of that person. How is that person? You know, how are they orchestrated? How do they walk? You know, their morals, their values, such and so forth. So. For me personally, it's easier to touch upon, you know, me being able to to accept certain races because I come from a background of a family that's, you know, diverse. And because of that, it's really helped me, you know, it's helped me appreciate lives in all facets. So I truly, truly hope that we can, that we can diminish the violence. That, I think that's what's been disheartening the most seeing mm. the level of violence it's sickening because even though we don't want to see it we see these like raw shootings on social media we see these live footages and it gets to a point where it wears and tears on your spirit because the human mind isn't necessarily supposed to fathom fathom this on this type of level and now when we become so exposed to it we either desensitize ourselves to it or we become an emotional breakdown Mm -hmm. And and with, you know, with this matter, the only positive that I say I can take from it for me personally is the level of awareness is now that we're revealing how gruesome, you know, our society has been for the longest. And it's time for us to genuinely create a sense of space where change is is implemented.
0: Yeah. And again, just coming back to saying i support this movement saying we support this cause doesn't mean we support the violence coming from other end you know either side of it i i wish there weren't violent riots happening i do but again i i saw something i can't take credit for it i saw something on social media saying look you know it's twofold number 1 there are people who are just genuinely so broken so broken so upset they have been dealing with this oppression for so long and it's finally coming out in this somewhat negative way that's heartbreaking and it's sad but it has to at the very least cause us to pause and say wow how bad is it that there are people feeling like they need to resort to this and then on the flip side of course there's we have to recognize and acknowledge that there are people who are committing violence crimes rioting um, vandalizing stealing things simply because they're opportunists and they're taking advantage of this moment and they have nothing to do with this situation at all and I think I've actually been very appreciative that social media has really for me helped shine the light on that that you know there are sure absolutely some violence going on related to this and then there's some that's just completely unrelated and again no one's Mm -hmm. condoning any of it but it should cause us to pause and say wow what would cause a human or a group of humans to react in such a way? That's how serious the situation is. And it doesn't, you know, just because it's bad doesn't mean we should condemn it and walk away. We need to keep shining the light on this. And again, just say, look how bad it is. That is how urgently it needs to be addressed.
1: Right. You know, the level of resilience is what's going to create change. I think not being able to not being able to voice your opinion at one point in life was detrimental but now the fact that we're able to do so we're able to come to a collective means and grow and and through our voices it's going to be it's going to be extremely important for change and you know you touched upon it already this level of resilience you know sometimes we 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 shine something on a, under a microscope right and it might last a week two weeks whatever but in this matter It needs to stay there until change is prevalent, until things are tangible. We can't sit here and want to upright and create noise and let that noise go through one ear and out the other. It needs to settle in. And we as people need to continue to bring awareness to this matter. Along the lines of bringing awareness to a lot of other matters in this world, you know, I feel like we've come technologically advanced. We've grown as a society where, like I said, we're in year 2020 at this point in our lives. I feel like we have a lot of resources to create change. Now it's just really touching upon those higher officials. It's really, you know, shining a light onto them and making our voices known so that they can acknowledge that, you know, we as a people aren't going to condone to this. You know, we want change. We want betterment for not just ourselves, but for our, our future. I, I don't have any children in this moment. But one of my biggest fears is having a child, loving this child and then growing up in a world full of hate. And I acknowledge that I have nothing to do with this world of, of hatred. Right. But it's a fear of mine because I don't want my child to grow up and be oppressed and have to go through certain things that I acknowledge that just happens. So a part of my responsibility and a part of my level of awareness and motivation to help create change is for my future generation to come.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love how you said too earlier, this, you know, highlighting the Black community right now, people of color right now, it will spill over into other things. And I've seen that ring so true for myself in that this is helping me see that I haven't spoken out, I haven't gotten involved, I haven't gotten educated on a variety of social topics, and this is encouraging me to do that. So right now, again, my attention is on this matter in particular, but it's making me realize, look, I need to do some research on things like domestic abuse and sexual trafficking because these are huge issues that are happening they also need voices lended to them but i have to say it's this movement it's the black lives matter movement that has woken me up to the fact that i need to speak i need to speak out on this and a million other topics too and lend my voice lend the privilege that i know i do have towards making tangible change in those areas
1: absolutely that was a great you know a great sense of, of awareness to understand that there's other matters at stake, such as sex trafficking and, um, child abuse. And there's a lot of different matters that we need to touch upon as well. But once again, it there's one large matter, you know, there's one large source of, of reasoning to create tangible change that will spill onto others, like you said. So I think that's, that's beautifully said and and well appreciated.
0: Mm. And I wanted to, you know, something that always keeps coming back to me is look, is this a small matter that can be easily resolved? No, not by any means. And I think that has been potentially an excuse for why we haven't really addressed this in all the years to come. But the reality is look, we have shown that as a society, as a nation, globally, as a connective unit, we are willing to put lots of time money resources collaboration to solve big big problems it takes a lot of time money resources collaboration to get people to the moon to figure out how to do that to figure out how to grow human tissue in a lab those aren't cheap things those aren't quick things those aren't easy things and so but we we're willing to do it for causes that we actually believe in and so it, to me it just shows like there's no excuse. In 2020, there is no excuse why we cannot begin to truly address some of these prevalent issues like Black Lives Matter. Right. Because we have all the resources right there, but it's showing, you know, are we actually willing to bring all those resources together to make it happen?
1: Yeah, no, that's 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 very true. And once again, I, I stem upon the the subject of creating an educational background for ourselves, you know, not being so dependent on another individual to teach us what we need to teach, but rather so us having the initiative to go out and learning these backgrounds. And I know that you highlighted that you wanted some resources as well um, in regards to how can you make certain change in your environment that I feel like everybody could utilize. And um, some things that I found was that, I, which I didn't know at first either until really looking into it, but... Uh, Yale University is offering a free course on Black history titled The Emancipation to the Present, taught by Jonathan Hallway, former dean uh, dean and the College of Professor of History and African-American Studies. Um, I thought that was that's pretty big. Right. I mean, you got Yale. Um, this university where it costs X, Y, and Z amount of dollars to get into the university itself, but they're giving free education on that. And I could tell you, there's probably not a lot of people capitalizing on being able to, you know, to utilize those resources. And I wanted to highlight a friend of mine, Javante Brooks, um, an amazing, amazing man, really resourceful, very smart, um, a good friend of mine. He really shined some light on to this whole topic as well. And African-American himself, very well educated, comes from a uh, multi-race background. And he was able to kind of pinpoint certain things that I wasn't even aware of. You know, I think that's also the importance of understanding your environment, collective, having people around you that could enlighten you, you know, kind of shine light onto areas where they're dark. And so, Javante Brooks, um, he gave me a, a list of books that he believes that which is just change your whole perspective on the matter that will bring light to the subject. And some of the books are The Autobiography of Malcolm X. Um, another book is The Pedagogy of the Oppressed by Paulo Freire, which talks about re-education of the masses and how true education is empowering individuals to make their own decisions based on um, information given. Uh, there's another book called Lies My Teacher Told Me by James W. Lowe. Which gives a more colored, friendly account of American history and exposes some truths to some of the history that we were primarily taught. Um, and there's also another book called "The Topology of Violence" by Han, it talks about how violence manifests itself in society and how violence has moved from physical violence to violence to legislation and rhetoric and meant and the mentality that we impose and its less tangible approach of violence to create a, uh, aggression. So the book kind of just highlights what we talked about earlier in regards to how violence itself, the physical tangible violence that we see has lessened because legislation, you know, the judicial system has taken this approach on how to oppress people in in a way of law. Right. So mm-hmm. those are a few resources. Uh, thank you again, Javante. Appreciate you. Um, and once again, I, I'm, I'm surrounded by a lot of affluent black men who just, do great things well educated. And I'm thankful for that because once again, I, I really hone in on the the surface and the premise of education being the means to to create tangible change. So
0: Yeah, well I'm super excited for those books you listed. I'll make sure that they're all linked in the show notes so people can find them easily. I know too there's Tons of lists floating around social media and the internet of documentaries to watch, pages to follow, websites to visit. So, um, I'll try to add a collection of those and maybe run them by you before I add them. Yeah, absolutely. The but I just I want to end with you know try to end on a positive note. And does this make you hopeful for change in the future?
1: Um, yes, I, I am hopeful. And, and uh, you know, for me, I think the type of person that I am personally. Um, I come from a background of hope. Right. You know, coming from humble beginnings, coming from an environment where, you know, things weren't always the most settling. And then coming into a place where I am today, I think that hope is the premise of my belief. You know, I really do believe that God has a bigger vision for what is yet to come. Um, I feel like the pain, the frustration are all testimonies. They're all things that we need to be able to express, and we need to weather these storms. And so, to bring the the question to full, a full circle, um, I am very hopeful of the future. I believe that there's going to be a lot of change, um, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of sacrifice as well. So, in the midst of the sacrifice, and in the midst of you know coming through a place of hurt and you know just a lot of a lot of remorse, I feel like there's going to be a lot of smiles at the end of this. I feel like we're going to create, you know, I feel like we're going to create a, a proper vision for our future children and, and future generations to come. And with that, um, I'm very hopeful. So, you know, I, I hope that we can continue to to create this space of positivity. i see a lot of people um, reform, you know, reform to the idea that, you know, all lives matter, but black lives do matter in the midst of this. And I've seen people come together and of all races. So uh, you know, shout out to all the people who are who are for the for the cause and creating tangible change and, you know, creating a space for us to all be, you know, positive in. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, well Brent, I appreciate this so much. This was healing for me, so informative for me personally. I know it's something that I'm gonna just go back and listen to again and again, because I need this myself, but I'm so excited to be able to share this with others who are maybe coming from a similar perspective that I've coming from, and that it can just be super expansive, influential, impactful, empowering, all of the things. So thank you so, so much for giving your precious time to all of
1: us. Absolutely. And thank you for having me. This was um, an amazing experience. It was an honor and uh, just on a, on a good note, once again, all you people who are listening, um, remember what's your royalty. Let's go ahead and continue to spread positivity and uh, let's, let's go ahead and see what comes next. I'm excited. Thank you again.
0: I love that. Thank you so much. We'll have an amazing rest of your week until we hang out again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds good.
0: Well, I hope you all loved that interview with Brent. I absolutely loved the chance to really get his perspective on it. And I so appreciated his patience, his enthusiasm, and also just his gentleness in regards to all of it. And so, for this week's magnetic moment, which is my weekly challenge to all of you at the end of an episode, it's a way for you to apply something that you've learned from this interview to your life immediately. And so, the magnetic moment for this week is to go find one of those books or documentaries or web pages or individual individual sites and do a little research. Maybe watch one of those documentaries. Maybe order one of those books. And when you do, please, please, please tag me in social media. Send me a DM. I am so eager to hear what each of you are learning, what some of the powerful documentaries are that you're watching or books or pages that you're following and you know the impact that they have had on you so far and as always i link any resources in the show notes So you can see all of those books that Brent mentioned, as well as some additional resources and my social media pages so that you can find me and message me directly. So thank you again, everyone, for tuning back in after a couple weeks break from the A Crescent podcast, but I'm so excited to get back into it and just really connect with each of you in this way on a weekly basis again. So with that, everyone have a wonderful weekend and until next Friday.